From Television City in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller plays. Welcome to All in the Podcast, a weekly rewatch podcast of the legendary 1970s Norman Lear sitcom All in the Family. I'm your host, Gus Constantelis, a writer and stand up comedian and overall super fan of classic TV sitcoms. This week we'll be discussing season one, episode seven of the show, titled Mike's Hippie Friends Come to Visit. Today with me I have Alex Hajar. Alex. Introduce yourself. Tell me a little about yourself. I'm a yes. high school English teacher, so I teach people how to analyze for a living, and that's Ooh. what I'm here to do today. Right. What do you, what do you teach? Actually, what but... books do you teach your students? Um, let's see. Well, I have to do like the traditional canon for right. um, the higher level students, like the AP literature students. So we had to do the Scarlet Letter this year at the behest of my principal, which was awful. Okay, um, and yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But we do, <laughs> we do like more subversive stuff. Like okay. we do. Um, the Bluest Eye, which is awesome. Probably Love one of my favorite eye. things to teach. I just we do finished a Clockwork song, Orange song. at the end oh. of the year after the AP exam is over and once we have more free reign. Um, we're doing Hamlet right now, so... That's fine. Yeah. Right. Fine is a generous word. But fine. Yeah, okay, sure. It's fine. It's fine. It's There's fine. so many better Shakespeare plays, I feel. I mean... Yeah. I yeah, think we've no, gotten so hung up on Macbeth. Like, Romeo and Juliet has been done to death, but, like, we haven't talked about how, like, Macbeth has really been done to death at this point. Yeah, Macbeth, well, it's I think it's all a tragedy. So it's Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, Macbeth, King Lear. Othello. Othello's been overdone, but I do love Othello. Right, yeah. Um, I think Iago's probably one of the greatest literary villains. And I'm teaching that now to my um, sophomores. So oh, okay. It's going okay. I don't think they like it as much as I do, but I can't really fault them for that. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> so this episode is one of the classics. Um, it's Mike's Hippie's Friends Come to Visit, Season 1, Episode 7. The season one episodes are so topical. The season one episodes, in my opinion, like Archie isn't painted as a villain as much in the season one episodes. Like season two, they're just like, nah, he's a racist. Whereas season one, he's a little more like, they're a little more like careful about like how he is, but I'm like, he's still a racist, but okay, you know? Um, this episode, according to IMDb, is Archie objects to Mike's unmarried friends staying the night in the house. Which, okay, yeah, that pretty much sums it all up yeah this episode season one episodes are very much like this one we're going to talk about black people and this one we're going to talk about hippies and this one we're going to talk about feminism and this one we're going to talk about pregnancy it was like it's an agenda it's very the much an lear, agenda it's the yeah. norman lear liberal agenda he yeah. had 13 episodes and was like we're just gonna do it now and the, the interesting thing about season one is it wasn't highly rated at all like people watched the pilot and then the first season they aired it and no one really watched it and then they re-aired it during the summer and it caught like it really kept the ball rolling yeah and then season two everyone was on board and that's when it really really took off oh wow no okay that i didn't know they re-aired it they did like um they did what they did for the dick van dyke show they did what they did for seinfeld is they aired it during the summer so it can gain traction right I think just smart. Um, the show was released in ninety in seventy four. Seventy one. Seventy one. Okay, so I remember actually part of the reason I know a lot about All in the Family is because I grew up watching it. It right. was my dad's favorite show, probably for the wrong reasons. Right. Definitely for the wrong reasons. But um, my earliest memory of All in the Family, I think I was like maybe six years old, and we were watching the twentieth anniversary special with Norman Lear. Oh right. Where yeah. he interviews people who grew up watching the show. Um, and he interviews the actors, of course, like Gene Stapleton is on there, um, Carol O'Connor when he was still alive, Sally Struthers, and they're talking about how um, they figured that the net- the network told them, like, we're probably going to get through about two or three episodes, and then people are going to riot, and we're going to have to take it off right, the air. Yeah. And instead, people called back and had overwhelmingly positive responses. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like people wanted something challenging. I think people were done with the the leave it to beaver they were done with the 60s they were done with the family like this is cute right. we're doing some cute comedy and we're out right, you know like the mawkish portrayal of the right. american dream yes and, right people needed something with a little more substance to it at that point you know it was the 70s after all like people that were watching i mean and the thing is is like people that were watching it were either like were either archie bunker or they weren't and it's interesting like i always find what the audience laughs at on the episodes the most interesting thing about the episode yeah. sometimes because the audience is kind of its own character um that's a good way of looking at it yeah because like what the audience laughs at is what kind of is like because it was a real audience it wasn't canned what the audience reacts to is basically what was the mindset of the american person at that mm-hmm. time so it's like if they were laughing at something crazy that Archie says, it was like, oh, cool, they weren't on board with that. That's good to know. Right. You know, it's good to know that people were, like, uh, progressively there in a way. Yeah. I mean, I also feel like part of the reason, I mean, part of the, because we just watched the episode together and right. we're laughing at some of the ridiculous shit that comes out of Right, exactly. And I think we're laughing at it, you know, in part because we grew up with parents or we grew up, we were raised right. by a generation that still subscribes to that kind of ass-backward mentality. Right. Like, I feel like a lot of my, like, very American friends that aren't from immigrant families, like, they have kind of, like, in some ways eschewed this kind of, like, Archie Bunkerness in their lives, which is great. But, like, for me, I grew up in a very, like, we had to be, like, Americans. We had to, like, the wife does things and the husband does things and we had very specific ways and we adhere to like a lot of the social constructs that are on the show right now and I'm like okay and what's interesting is that Gloria and Mike technically like in the show in 1971 they're supposed to represent the more liberal carefree mm-hmm. generation but if you think about it Mike and Gloria at this point like you know Sally Struthers and um what's um, Rob Reiner Rob Reiner they're like old enough to be our parents, basically. Oh, my parents yeah. were not nearly as liberal-minded as Mike and Gloria. Oh are. no! I mean, my mom was obviously more liberal-minded than um, her mother was. You know, my mom grew up um, telling me what sex is, and you know, saying like, if you are gonna have sex, you know, make sure that you do it carefully and stuff like that. And meanwhile, my grandmother couldn't even talk; like, she couldn't even. She was Archie that in this that episode. Was, that was he taboo. can't even say the word. Yeah. But you know, but even so, my mom still subscribed to this idea that you know, um, you know, having sex with someone. Um, having like casual sex with someone or even sex with someone before marriage like that's a decision that you have to be really um considerate about and really deliberate about and you know these are arguments that i've had with my own mom right too. exactly even though my mom comes from the mike and gloria generation, generation. yeah that's interesting um so wait let's just break down what happens in this episode so they're sitting there they're getting really kissy on the couch archie comes in he's disgusted by them And then they forget to tell him that their friends are visiting. So the friends visit, they walk in, and immediately they're super hippie. Like, you just, they walk in the door, and it's like Archie's worst nightmare as soon as they walk in. And it's like, one is, like, the, what's her name is, Robin is barefoot, like, with the nastiest ass feet. He has, like, a fro. It's a whole situation going on. And it was like, these people, that the hippies that walk in are probably, like, the worst, like, people of all time. Because it's like, they weren't... Like, Mike and Gloria are liberal-minded, but they were more nuanced, whereas, like, the hippies that walked in are, like, exactly the Archie, like, what Archie pictures as the worst hippies in the world. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, like, out of a, he's, they're out of a portrait of, right. like, his worst nightmare. Exactly. They're and like, now they're, like, invading his home. Now they're in his, his home, barefoot. Yes, exactly. So that's what was so funny about those two people that walk in, and then they walk in, and they're like, we want to sleep here, but then Archie's like, wait, you're not married, you can't sleep here. And then it becomes kind of like, uh, they argue, they argue, they argue. 
eventually for the entire for the episode, entire episode the entire episode is them fighting about in one scene yeah. it's one whole scene exactly yeah they cut to commercial at one point and it's so awkward because it's like we have to cut to commercial and here we go like exactly um and then um they argue they argue eventually they figure some sort of solution of like boys girls boys sleep together girls sleep together robin is like i can't i can't do that it's against it's like it's against my morals. Like people that are in love should be sleeping together. Then Archie gives Except her money. Robin doesn't actually say it. Oh, she that's communicates right. with her eyes. Right, exactly. So she never actually speaks. Like no sound ever emanates from her mouth. Which is the funniest because it's like un- again the worst person that could have walked through the door. Right, exactly. They're they're a caricature. Oh, well, actually, no, they're not even really a caricature of the hippie movement. But th- for the purpose of this episode, they are caricatures of right. the hippie movement. They are what Archie considers, like you said, exactly. the um, quintessential hippies. And then they, then Archie offers them money, and they're like, "No, we refuse to take your money." So they just drive them to the airport, and they're like, "Fuck it." And then the last scene is kind of like, <laughs> just leave them on a bench. Mike, the Mike yeah. and Gloria literally just leave them on a bench. They're like, "They're gonna sleep there for six hours. We just don't care anymore. We're done." And then the the last scene is just kind of a throwaway. It was like, "We're gonna sing for two minutes." Like, sure, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of, well. That final scene is kind of a reconciliation because the Between entire the whole family, right? Yeah. I mean, like the entire episode, the entire scene series hinges on the generational gap and it hinges on the dyad between um republican democrat good evil old young and moral immoral exactly and so a lot of the episodes especially in season one need to be kind of wrapped up with a bow um you know they they kind of need to have that reconciliation needs to happen so at the end of the day as angry as mike gets in the episode and as angry as archie gets in the episode you see them like all joking around and loving each other and they needed that i think that was probably a network note too of like the network was probably like like, an asterisk like a footnote yeah right of like you know we end this like the good old american way like you know look it's season one dude calm down urban lear um yeah, and I this whole episode for me it was just about social constructs, which I think still exists in America. Yeah. Like absolutely. Like th- first of all, it, it starts with the man of the house has to do everything, all the odd jobs, and so Archie gets like peeved out when when Mike's like, "Well, I do a bunch of things in this house." And he's like, "No, you don't." And that is like an argument I have with my family all the time. It's like one person shovels, it turns on me, and it's like, "Why don't you shovel the snow?" And I'm like, "No one fucking asked me to shovel the snow." Okay? I was in my room if you want me to shovel the snow, I'll go shovel the snow. And he's like, no, the man of the house is supposed to shovel the snow. I'm like, then why are you telling me to shovel snow? Well, there's that ten- that tension exists from the get-go. I mean, right. Archie always resents Mike for living with them. Right. Saying, like, you know, you're you're a man. Like, what are you doing going to graduate school? Like, what are you doing? Like, is it college or graduate school? I think he's in? in graduate school right now. Something he's like also, that. like, 55, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> right, he yeah. looks 80, like, at this point. Yeah, there's, there's something, um, you know, like, he... Archie always resents him for going to school and says, like, you're the man. You're like, you should be working. You should have a house. Like, why are you and my daughter living with me and my wife? Like, right. at this point, if you guys are married, like, um, she's your responsibility. Yeah, from here absolutely. On out. You should be getting a house and raising a family and doing the whole thing. And that 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 mindset is so stuck with Archie because he can't let go of that, what you were saying before we started, the idyllic American dream. Yeah. Of, like... You know, white picket fence, the two kids, the whole thing. A doormat that a, says that that establishes right. a doormat that lets everyone in the neighborhood know that you are the like heteronormative nuclear family. Exactly. Because he and he and Edith get into an argument at the front at the beginning of the um, episode where Edith insists that their doormat says welcome, and he insists that the doormat says the bunkers. The bunkers. And of course, he wants it to say the bunkers. He needs to let everyone know that like he, his wife, and his child like occupy that house. Right. Yeah. And even it's like, 
that is again the social conscience of it all. Like, who gives a fuck about your welcome mat? Right. At the end of the day, but it did. It did matter. It mattered so much to these people. And like the the he can't use the word sex in front of women. The fact that these people don't have a marriage license. Like they're eating vegetables. That's another issue. Like he has all these issues with them. And it's like it's just about really like what the 70s were like in yeah. in terms of like which again still not much has changed like i mean even in high school we can't talk about sex education in a proper way still i feel i love how these people are nuanced in the way of like archie says like it's not moral for you to ha- not have a marriage license and then he points the tv and he's like because of that and the bibles on the tv Oh, that was definitely, yeah, fraught with double meaning. Um, right. Because he points at the TV, like, because the TV, especially when we're throwing back to sitcoms like Leave it to Beaver, I Love Lucy, where the husband and wife always sleep in separate exactly. beds. Um, you know, these these kind of, these conservative ideals and these conservative morals were perpetuated by, um, by the media and by... Right. Um, by the pop culture of the day. So yeah, that was definitely fraught with double meaning. Right. On one hand, like, you know, we're watching this and yeah, he's pointing at the TV and I think it's Gloria who says the television set, yeah. which is funny because that's the way that we see it. But no, he's pointing to the Bible, which humorously enough is placed on top of the TV. And when... Um, when Archie says like, why is it there? Edith and Edith says, says, because there wasn't any room left on top of the fridge. Yeah, like he's here's supposed to be the doctrine off of which, off of which they base their behavior, their morals, um, and like they're placing it on top of the TV, on top of the refrigerator. Like, yeah, you it's think like that a, they would have I mean, a better at place one to... point it was probably going to be like keeping a door open. Like it was that ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And it is like, it's, it's just the morality of it all of like, and that, that for me was like the most brilliant line in the whole episode. Cause it was like that whole exchange of like the television set keeps falling off the refrigerator. And it's like, not only does that show that these social constructs are built on what is on our television. Yeah. But it also shows that Archie is a hypocrite when it comes to his own morals at the end of the day. Of course. Because it's like, oh, Mr. Religion doesn't even hasn't doesn't even know where the fucking Bible is in the house at this right. point, you know? Which is just genius. Just not to mention he he incessantly throughout the entire series, he incessantly misquotes the Bible. Right. Um, he misinterprets the Bible, right. which conservatives continue to do oh, um, purposefully oh, for course. their own advantage. But he also, he says, um, it smells like a house of ill refute yeah. when they're burning incense in the living room. I love room. when he does that. Yeah. I love when he does He's, that. At some point, I forgot what episode it is. Um, it might be later on in the series, but he says something like, um, he, instead of saying incest, he says insects. Yeah. Just like, like consistently misquoting the I Bible. I love that. Um, um, I do think what's interesting is that even to this day, a lot of our um, ideals come from television. Like, I really want to write, like, a dissertation one day about it. How, like, yeah. how like Friends, the sitcom, ruined my life. Like, it really <laughs> ruined my... Like, Boy Meets World ruined my fucking so world. Even, you know, growing, growing up, one of my favorite shows was Hey Arnold. And even till this day, there are so, so many principles... Um, that I believe in and espouse that I, I feel like I got from Hey Arnold. Exactly. Like I, I learned, you know, the difference between right and wrong from Hey Arnold mm-hmm. and shows like Rocket Power. Right. And, you know, granted, like, I, I think I knew as a kid that a show like SpongeBob was just meant to be funny and goofy. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't really take it seriously. But shows like Rocket Power and Hey Arnold and The Wild Thorn. It was a little like, more serious. Like, there yeah. Was some, yeah, there was something, there was something um, didactic about them. There was a lesson there. Exactly. Which is interesting. But, I mean... 
at least for those shows, I felt like, oh, I'm learning a good lesson here. Right. Like, you know, friendship, whatever it is, I'm learning something good. Whereas, like, other things I watched as a kid, like, definitely have fucked me up psychologically. Like, Boy Meets World has ruined me. Like, as much as my mom calling me fat when I was a child, Boy Meets World has ruined my ideals of love. Because it's like, you think your whole life, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to meet somebody in high school, or I'm going to meet somebody in kindergarten, and then and we're going to go to high school. that person is going to be my wife, and we're going to save each other, and, and we're going to save ourselves from together. her. Idea. Yeah, and it's like, you think, oh, Topanga, I'm just going to marry Topanga, and then we're just going to live off happily well, that ever was, after. that was every sitcom. Even it was Rose, every sitcom, Even yeah. Roseanne, like, another incredibly um, revolutionary and subversive sitcom. And nuanced, sitcom. and nuanced Very sitcom. nuanced. Like, a very, a very nuanced sitcom um, that troubled a lot of the same binaries that All in the Family troubled in the 1970s. Um... It, you know, even that was very much like the two girls end up getting married to like one, like the first boyfriend. Like Darlene gets married to like the first guy she ever dates. Right. And granted, um, she breaks up with him at some point so that she can experiment and she can explore other loves and other relationships. But, but it's she, a TV show, so she gets back with him. Of course. Right, yeah. exactly. But even like, I, I mean, even Friends, it's like we live in New York. And, like, I always watch Friends, and I'm like, oh, I wish my life could be like that. I wish I could live across the hall from my best friends, and then we just visit each other all the time. Like, that's not the way it works. The Except way in college. Like, maybe in college. Maybe in college. But, like, even then, I'm like, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I want to get a, a bowl of popcorn, watch some TV, and go the fuck to bed. I don't want to be doing this. And it fucked me up, because now I'm like, why don't I have that? I'm like, because it's not real. Right. It's not real. And as real as, and as not real as, like, the Dick Van Dyke show and all those 60s sitcoms weren't like same thing like with all it's still going on yeah like television is still influencing like exactly how I should think that I should live my life and it's still fucking like fucking me up majorly exactly like Grey's Anatomy has ruined my life like <laughs> it has ruined my entire life at this point yeah, I blame um, it all on the Nick at Night sitcoms. Like oh, Full girl. House, Roseanne, oh, full, the Cosby oh, full Show, House. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, and again, like all, all... I mean, with the exception of Full House, because that show is just a giant roasting sack of shit. Oh, absolutely. Um, but like shows like Roseanne, The Cosby Show, um, Fresh Prince were... We can't talk about The Cosby Show anymore. We, we can't. But, but they, we can. they were for their time, they were innovative in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like The Cosby Show pandered to respectability politics as fuck. Oh, well, Because yeah. the whole idea was to see... Like, to, was to show how... Um, like, see, like, black people are just as good as us. Like, we have the Huxtables, a doctor and a lawyer, and they're just as good as white people, which... Um, you know, I mean, I, I would argue kind of misses the point. Like, you're not supposed to argue that black people are as good as white people. The idea is that they have, like, they have their own separate culture and they shouldn't have to strive to standards of, like, white perfection in right. order to be, in order to assimilate but or... that, for me, is, again, going back to the American dream of, like, the American dream is created for one person and it's the straight white man. And it's exactly. created for nobody else. And the Cosby show is, like, portraying black people right. trying to but, achieve the straight white male version of the American dream. But I think that that is why there is a general generational gap now more than ever. And, like, I mean, I think that's why there's, again, as there was in the 70s, a huge generational gap now is because... Because the American dream is dead for me, at least I believe so. But because because of the Cosby Show, because of the Jeffersons, it's because the the straight white man created the American dream and said, if you get here, you'll be just like me. And so Cosby was like, bitch, we got there and we made it even. And the Jeffersons were like, we got even further up. And then the straight white man was so intimidated by that that he was like, no, 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 now you have to get here. Now you have to get a little higher. And then it was like, and then he kept changing it and changing it. So it wasn't just like a white picket fence and, and a family. Then it became, 
a pool in the house and a fountain and a, a hot and, tub and, and a straight sauna children. and straight children yeah. and and you need a movie theater in your house and then it just became kept getting larger and larger and larger and when minorities were just like yeah bitch we'll keep getting there we got there we're here again we're here we're reaching you the straight white man was like fuck it i can't do this anymore and just gave up and that's why right for me that's why i think the american dream is dead because the straight white man is just so fucking intimidated at this point as he should be as he should be as he fucking should as he should be (laughs) but i could be wrong and i but i do think that because my parents still talk about the American dream. They're like, you have to own property. I'm like, that's not what it is anymore. People don't do that. People aren't 25 owning houses. Yeah, owning houses. property isn't really a thing. Like, I mean, you know, my mom was sick to her stomach when I moved out of the house because she's like, now you'll never be able to save up and buy your own place. And I'm like, if I saved up to buy my own place, I wouldn't be able to move out till I was like 42. Right, exactly. Um, right, yeah. I mean, I moved to LA and after a year and a half, my, my dad was like, you know, we should think about buying some some a condo or something. And I'm like... I'm an assistant at this point. I hadn't been promoted yet. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't even know if I want to live here the rest of my life. I'm not doing that. Right. But it's that idea. And it's even like now that I'm back in New York, my parents are like, you have to buy property. You have to buy property. You have to, and I'm like, that's not what it is anymore. And they kind of are getting there. They're understanding that it doesn't, ex- that the American dream doesn't exist anymore, but they don't understand that like, we have to just let it go. Right. Which is sad. Right. And, you know, so that kind of brings me to my second point that I wanted okay, to right. address yes, with, with this episode is that, you know, we just spent like the last like 10 minutes, um, you know, trashing on my conservative and traditional ideals. But what's what's interesting is that by the end of the episode, Gloria and Mike, who represent the younger liberal generation, swing kind of they, they kind of swing back to the right and they right. eventually take Archie's side. They say to them, they say, look, like Archie gave you the money to go to a motel Um so go to a motel. Like or if you, even the dormitory style would have been perfect. They could exactly. have just stayed there and done girl, girl, boy, boy. Exactly. Like, it's fine. Um, but they insist on their morals. And they insist on, well, you know, well, like, and we just love like each other. Archie, we, yeah. yeah. Just like Archie insisted on his morals and the marriage license and the Bible, they yeah, insist, they insist on, on their, on their own morals things, yeah. to the point where Gloria and Mike get pissed off. You know, Mike says, that's bull. This no talking thing is bull too. And they all just attack Robin right now. Right. Robin is such a stupid bitch, though. I mean, like, she, Robin she, is the worst. Again, like she's a caricature of the hippie movement right. and um i love that part where you know, um where he says he's like but robin says and then gloria goes i don't care what robin says robin, shut up shut robin. up yeah exactly <laughs> like um, she doesn't talk robin shut up but, but what's what's so brilliant about the show and i think why it still resonates even in 2018 is that it troubled every binary that even today we think um we know or we right. think is appropriate so you know, on, on it one would have hand, been easy. It would have been easy if the hippies walked in. They were totally normal and they were right. And and Archie was just wrong the whole time. Exactly. That would have been an easy story to tell. But Norman Lear was like, no, 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 no. We're not telling an easy story here. This is complicated. This is nuanced. Like this is what the seventies were. Yeah. You know. But again, it's like going back to that same argument I made about the Cosby Show is that assimilation shouldn't be the goal. The goal shouldn't be like I have to prove to you that I'm like a conservative. I have to prove to you like. That I am like the um, the traditional, conventional, straight white male in order to gain your acceptance. Like that's not what acceptance should be predicated on. Right. Exactly. Um, so I think this, should, you know, Norman Lear and the, the show's writers were smart in that 
they they resisted that temptation. They resisted the urge for the hippies to come in and be like, oh, look, I'm just like you, therefore you have to accept me. They shouldn't have to be just like Archie. They shouldn't have to be just like the older generation in order to garner acceptance. Um, the idea is that they are their own entity and they should be accepted as, you know, as long as their ideologies are not hurting anyone, which right. by the end of the episode, their ideologies kind of are hurting right. anyone it's like, for yeah. an absurd reason. Well, and they're but... hurting themselves, really, is what right. they're hurting. Yeah. Exactly. But... You know, we, we see that neither radical hippie liberalism nor staunch conservatism are the ideal. Um, you can't and doesn't that just sound so familiar? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, you can't fall on one side of the spectrum or the other. You know, we were talking right before the episode right. started about that skit that SNL did immediately after the election where... Um, the, the bubble. It was called yeah. The Bubble, where it's just like, it's like, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all just live in a bubble with people who agree with us? And, and they, um, they showed, like, that brief clip of two people sitting in a cafe talking about a Huffington Post article they read and complimenting each other for... Like, I can't. Reading the I Huffington just Post. Can't. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, it, it's good. So the show still resonates because um, it frustrates the binaries that we're used to. And it frustrates the binaries that we think need to exist in order for the world to run. It's right? that, like, wouldn't it be great if everyone agreed with us? No, like, it wouldn't, actually. I'm sorry. Because it's, like, for me, like, my whole life, I've never been around people that are just like me. And I don't ever want to be around people that are just like me. Because when I do kind of go towards people that are just like me. I just get bored because I'm like, you're yeah. boring. I want to be around people that don't agree with me at all and just tell me I'm fucking wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, dare to be challenged a little bit. Um, and one more thing that I that really caught my attention about this, because again, like I grew up on All in the Family and I think that Edith has to be one of my favorite oh, characters Edith in all is, of TV history. Anything I think that she does in this I, episode, I, I, too. I honestly yeah. think that Gene Stapleton made the series. Like, Carol O'Connor, of course, yeah. was um, brilliant, but I think that without Edith, um, there is there is no All oh, in no. the Family. Oh, no. If he was single, like, the show falls apart. You know or if I mean? there were anyone other than Edith. Like, if right. he were, you know, married to, um, you know, B. Arthur's character, Maud. She's hilarious in her own right. But that but would have just, been a very... There's something unique about Edith. But what, like, I find that in this episode, she's um, uncharacteristically savvy. She makes a couple of statements throughout the episode that suggest that she's not as naive and ditzy as she always seems to be. Um, you know, on one hand, she defends Archie. He, you know, um, Gloria and Mike are like, I can't believe that he, that Archie won't let our hippie friends stay in the house just because they're not legally married. Like, what's, what, why does Archie have a problem with people demonstrating love for each other? And Edith responds, um, saying he doesn't have a problem with people demonstrating love. He just has a problem with them doing it on a sleeping bag in his living room. Right. And yeah. I'm just like, huh, that, that, that's uncharacteristically, um, witty and sharp right. of yeah. Edith to say. Because she's not only taking her husband's side, but she's taking her husband's side with some kind of logic. Yes. Granted, maybe it's not a logic we agree with, but um, she says that there's that hilarious moment um, in, the, in the episode when um, Gloria accuses Archie of having a hang-up about sex. She says, your whole generation is afraid of sex. And he goes, he goes, oh, that's bull. Like, you know, if my generation were afraid of sex, you wouldn't be here, right, Edith? Yeah. And, and she just, like, stares. <laughs> she stares blankly off into the distance, and she goes, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah. I just um, love her. There's that, and then there's, there's another so many line. moments in this episode too and where she just doesn't line. say anything, and she's yeah. just so funny. There's yeah. another line um, where someone says, I, "I forgot what the line was." Someone says something like, um, "There's more to life than happiness," and Edith goes, "Oh, believe me." <laughs> like she's she's yes. like intimating discontent in her marriage, right, exactly. like right then and there, like a couple of really ballsy and. Um, 
you know, out of character, off off brand moments for Edith in this right. episode. Well, even the mod episode, uh, Edith is uh, in the mod episode. Edith says something like, "No, no, no." Mod tells Edith like, "I don't understand why you married Archie. There were hundreds of guys that would have." been lucky to marry you and Edith just goes who like who yeah. <laughs> that is just like oh Edith oh Edith I can't exactly she's so perfect she is um I think it's because like you want you yeah you want her to just be your mom like I get it right and she also kind of occupies a liminal space between the older and younger generation because on one hand she at least for like the first five seasons, she um, fulfills well, her duty as a housewife and like with no questions I asked. I think where Archie is a Brillo pad, Edith is a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> like where like, yeah, Archie is just like hard set in, in his ways where Edith is like, she'll absorb a lot and she'll do it throughout the years and she understands things, but she's still like, there she's still like right i mean at the end of the day she understands that she needs to perform her gender role like she understands that she is archie's wife and as his wife it is her duty stuck in her own social construct yeah yeah, like as you know as a wife it's her duty to stay in the house not work um cook and clean do everything for him take his slippers off as she does in the episode um but at the same time she's not nearly as cynical and angry and judgmental as he is like she totally embraces the hippie she has no problem with them staying over and we see and not not you know spoiler alert but there's that one um is it a transgender character or just a drag queen someone who performs in drag oh there's, i don't know there's um i think i think the character's name is beverly but like that is one of edith's closest friends is um either again i can't remember if, if she's transgender or if it's a male um who just enjoys performing in drag but like edith absolutely loves her and like archie you know of course loses his mind of course, over it. yeah um but she, there's something innocent about her and there's something so unsullied about her that is developed so beautifully like throughout the entire series like I, I just love her like I think that there are very few characters in TV sitcom history who have as nuanced and as um delicate development as Edith yes Parker. and real and she, she's real she's a real person very. I know her I know her she's my aunt she's my mom <laughs> yeah. she's like she's a lot of people you know um that are, that I grew up with um and I think okay the other one thing I want to talk about is the issues of labels in this episode of like the whole the whole crux of the episode is we don't we we don't believe in marriage. Well, you need to have a marriage license to sleep in my house. And like, okay, that f- doesn't really exist anymore. Even though I've known people that I know waited till marriage, which I didn't like. I wasn't gonna be like that's crazy because like obviously they made a choice that they wanted to right. you know I wanted to respect that choice. But I was like, oh my god, like really that oh oh okay I had a kind of a moment. Where, yeah, it kind of flipped. It kind of flipped where people, when people are like, we want to wait till marriage, I feel like people most likely will be like, what the fuck? You want to wait till marriage to have sex? So maybe in that case it's flipped, but I think like there are a lot of gay people in open relationships, which is kind of becoming a thing now. And like that, for me, I feel like an Archie Bunker. I feel like I'm so out of like, out of my time. Cause I'm like, I don't know how that would work. Right. You know? Well, I mean, you know, even myself, I, I personally 
believe in monogamy. And I will be the first one to admit that the reason I believe in monogamy is one, because I grew up under two parents who have been in a right. successful monogamous relationship. Right. Like my parents never got divorced. Um, you know, they fight a lot, but they're still in a very like happy marriage. But also, you know, like I was taught that this is the ideal, not only from exactly. the sitcoms and the TV shows and the movies that I watched growing up, but also from my parents. So I admit that, you know, it's, it's socially For influenced. me, it is hard to let go of that. But these yeah. are social codes that are um, influenced by the people um, we are surrounded by. But at the same time, I don't know if that necessarily makes us wrong for wanting monogamy. Um, just okay. Be, you know, so just because we um, subscribe to those social codes and just because we believe in them doesn't necessarily mean that they're any less real. Right. It's and I think like, like, I mean, to flip that, it's like, I, if someone wants to wait till marriage, that is, again, that is a choice you're making and that I completely respect that. For me, I could not wait till marriage. Right. And just to completely flip it, you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like um, the Judith Butler example. Um, you know, Judith Butler is the one who kind of um, advanced the theory of gender performativity, saying that gender is a social construct. It is constantly, it is culturally reproduced time and time again. Um, you know, gender isn't real, so on and so forth. And there was backlash against her from the transgender community saying like, well, I identify as male. Are you saying that that's not real because there is no such thing as male gender identity? And she's saying no, just because gender is socially constructed and culturally reproduced doesn't mean that your gender identity is any less real. So if you identify as a cisgender male and you know, you're someone who loves football and steak and all and, the, yes, and, and, what, and the what, color what, blue. Yeah, you know? and you know, and motorcycles and the other things that straight men like. Um, <laughs> that doesn't. That those doesn't, are exactly the things. <laughs> those are the exact things. Yeah. You just like named but, my likes. Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, I was, I'm I the epitome of the straight man. Yeah. But just be, you know, so just because you identify as a cisgender male, and just because you like the things that your culture has um, told you you should like, doesn't mean that your gender identity is any less authentic. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's important that we are aware that monogamy is a social construct and that for the most part you and I believe in monogamy because this is the way we were raised but that doesn't necessarily make it a you know that doesn't necessarily mean well and that doesn't necessarily mean that someone that is in an open relationship can judge me if I want to be monogamous exactly right and at the, end the of same the, way I right. for, for I mean yeah at first I was an Archie Bunker I was like the worst about it I was like that's weird I can't do that and then after a couple years I was like you know what? If it works for people, it works for people. It probably will not work for me. Right. And that's, exactly. And that is that is like that is why I'm writing a dissertation about friends <laughs> because it fucked me up, and because that's why I believe that. I mean, I even think, my parents yeah. though. My parents, I came home one day, uh, and they were just like, "What if we were in an open relationship?" And I was like, "Don't fucking start with me. Oh I my cannot." God, do that's hilarious. They were fucking with. They were totally kidding. Right. I'm and, imagining your mom though. Right. Well, like, my mom's response was like, "She goes, do you have any idea how much effort it takes for me to love your father? You that's want what, me to love more than one person. Like, that's what I. That's I mean, what, that's polyamory. That's different right. from an open relationship. But, but still. that's what I told my my parents. I was like." You guys really do you guys really want to get on Tinder? You guys want me to make you Tinder profiles so you can swipe right on fucking old ass Greeks in the neighborhood? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I don't want to do that for you. But then they were kidding, but then my dad was like, What do you mean you don't believe in open relationships? You're very you're very close minded. You're very narrow minded. And I was like, Did you just call me narrow did you just call me narrow minded? Right. Did you just call me that? Because like you're wrong. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, what I think the important takeaway is, is that it's important for us to be aware that these are um, culturally constructed. Um, and I think the only time we should reject them is if these cultural constructions are causing 
our unhappiness. Or, yeah, so, like, so or like causing harm to anybody else. Exactly. So, like, if you're in a monogamous relationship and you genuinely, like, you, Gus, like, don't enjoy the monogamy of it, like, you believe that you need to express, you know, your sexual freedom, whatever it is, um, then, you know, by all means, recognize that your need for monogamy is socially constructed and, or socially influenced and break away from that. But if you are happy being in a monogamous relationship... Go then, fucking crazy. Exactly. There's no reason, there's no reason that you should deny yourself that experience just because, just by virtue of it being socially constructed. Right. And so, I, I mean, just saying like, oh, well, you're not progressive or you're whatever. I'm like, well... <laughs> you're not progressive for allowing me to express my yes, own fucking thing. You exactly. Know? And I think that that's kind of the thesis statement of this episode. Exactly. And the entire series is that at the end of the day, um, you know, one side, you, you can't swing to either side of the spectrum. You have to recognize that both, you know, that there's nuance and you have to recognize that at the end of the day, there needs to be a hybrid. Right. Um, and that, you need, you know, it's, it's important for us to understand that, okay, yes, I agree. Um, I agree with what the liberals are saying, but I still identify with this side because this is the way I was brought up or because this is just what I like. Right. And, and, if, I, and if I'm doing something that I like, if I'm doing something that makes me happy and hurts no one else, there's no reason it should bother Absolutely. you. And I think also like, you know, at the end of the day, if I was in the, if I was Mike in that situation and my dad didn't want two people sleeping over his house that I was staying in. I think at the end of the day, like, my father is right. Like, Archie is slightly right. I mean, his kind of reasoning behind it might be outdated and wrong, but, like, he's right. Like, if he doesn't want two people that are unwed sleeping in his house because of some grand morality that he has, then it makes him unhappy. Then he shouldn't really have it. I mean, yeah, it is his house that it he is, is paying for. And at the end of the day, like, like Mike I, is his son-in-law who invited his hippie friends to stay over without right. getting permission. And I like, understand permission. his point of view. Of course. So, yes. Anyway, but, yeah, you're absolutely right the whole this episode is very much about that it's about the mcnabs really it's, it's about the, the whole McNabs. episode is just about the mcnabs about the mcnabs who's um i love how consistent they are with the families though because even in right. season two they're like the mcnabs are over and i'm like good for you that like that continuity yeah, that, man that, yeah that you remembered like those generic irish right. names yeah <laughs> like, the mcnabs the jeffersons like the easiest like names to remember um but yeah, the McNabs are the, um, they're the family whose doormat Edith has appropriated in lieu of their doormat because the okay. McNabs dog like destroyed their doormat and Edith says, well, I just, we just borrowed their doormat, which is absurd because like Archie says, like, we're not the McNabs. Why do we have the McNabs doormat on our front porch? Um, but you know, again, that goes back to Archie not wanting to be misidentified. Like he wants his slice of the American dream to be recognized by his neighbors because again, and by it's about, his name, yeah, of course. Call like, me by your name. Oh god. <laughs> call me by your name, and I'll call you by mine. Triggered. Archie Bunker. Oh god. <laughs> what if Archie Bunker is Army Hammer and Call Me by Your Name? <laughs> yeah, like they do. Yeah, they completely like do a recasting. Um, I would die. Carol, we should recut the trailer so it's Carol O'Connor and Timothy Chalamet <laughs> or Chamelet. Yeah, that would be perfect. All right. That. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for listening to All in the Podcast. Family was recorded on tape before a live audience.